Today's reading from James chapter two, verse fourteen to twenty-six. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, "Go in peace, keep warm and well fed," but does nothing about their physical need, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. But someone will say, "You have faith; I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds." And I will show you my face by my deeds. You believe that there is one God, good. Even the demon believes that, and shudders. Your foolish people, your foolish person, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Was not our father Abraham considered righteous for what he did when he offered his son Isaac on the altar? You see that his faith and his action was working together, and his faith was made complete by what he did. And the scripture was fulfilled, and said, "Abraham believed God, and it is credited to him as righteousness, and he was called God's friend." You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do, and not by faith alone. In the same way, was not even Rahab, Rahab, the prostitute, considered righteous for what she did when she gave lodging to the spies and sent them off in a different direction? As a body without spirit is dead, so faith without deed is dead. John, thanks very much. <clears throat> If you're a parent, have you ever had the situation when your child comes to you、um, and asks you,、well, "Can I do this? You know, can I watch TV? Can I do?" It? And you go, "Yeah, no problem." And you find out your spouse said the opposite. And、uh, anyone? I mean, is it just us? <laughs> it can happen like that. And in the early church,、um, you know, it, it appears, or it appears to some. That James and Paul, who were two leaders in the early church, were like two parents who got their messages mixed. They were saying different things. Paul said, "You're justified by faith alone. All you got to do is believe, and then you'll be saved." James says, "Are you saved by faith alone? No. You need your deeds as well." Seems like they didn't agree. Actually, in history, some people have said the Book of James shouldn't even be in the Bible. Martin Luther hated it. <laughs> He called it an epistle of straw. Shouldn't be in the Bible. And these are provocative words. But I want to say, in fact, that they—they're not disagreeing. They're just two sides of the same coin. I saw a sign in Pembury recently.、Um, it said, "Your village needs you." Right, and it was Pembury players, wasn't it? 
Tracy. Trying to get volunteers for the Panto. Your village needs you. And Tracy's actually directing the Panto and uh, has to assign to her volunteers who come to join the, the acting fold you know, roles and different jobs. Well, I want to say whether you're not you're going to choose to be in the Panto, I'm not. But I might go along and watch. Your village needs you. Your community needs you. Your family, your friends, your workplace, your sphere of influence, whether it might be online, your community needs you. I'm so grateful for our friends who became members. We need them. I need Sam. We need you. Because we've all been called to do what God has given us to do. And for different people it will be different things. One of the biggest detrimental factors in the history of Christianity has been what we call nominalism. Where people just have a nominal faith. Turn up to church on a Sunday, pray the prayers, say the creeds, sing the hymns, listen to the message, but go home again and make no difference in their lives. And so rightly, a lot of people would say, I don't want to go to church. Makes no difference. If it's about doing good deeds, I don't need faith to do that. I can just, I can help the poor. I can, feed, I can do all that anyway. The people I know who are Christians, just hypocrites. They don't practice what they preach. And that has been one of the worst things that the church is guilty of in, in its history. And so when James comes, he's very provocative, but he's got a point that we need to hear. What good is it if you say you've got faith, but that faith isn't accompanied by works, by deeds? What good is it if you praise the Lord with, you know, and then it makes no difference? Citing the example of someone, a brother or sister, someone who's a fellow believer, without clothes and daily food. And if you say, God bless you, off you go, have a wonderful time and all the rest of it, but you don't do anything for them, it's useless, James says. Well, cost of living crisis is actually an opportunity for the church. It's an opportunity for us to put our faith into action, isn't it? We're actually very well placed here as a church. We've got the larder already up and running for many years now. We're well placed. This is a generous church. I thank God for it. We're well placed to help the poor and the needy. Have our cafe open. It's going to be warm when it's in the winter. And people can come. We're well placed. James says, I will show you my faith by my deeds. See, if we think of someone who's got great faith, maybe you want to read a, a story of someone in history who's got great faith, they will always have accompanied that faith with great deeds. 
Try and think of someone who you look up to and respect. I don't know. Let's think about William Wilberforce. Someone of great faith. But what did that faith lead him to do? Abolish the slave trade. Or be part of that at least. You don't read the story of someone with great faith and all they ever did was sat and watch TV. Their faith will lead to action. So I believe James and Paul, even though Paul says you're justified by faith alone and James says no you're not, <laughs> they don't actually disagree. Because when Paul talks about faith, he's not talking about a sitting on my chair and doing nothing faith. He's talking about a genuine faith that will lead to deeds. It will bear fruit. It's two sides of the same coin. James would have been aware of what Paul was preaching. He would have been aware, however, of perhaps who, people who would hear the message of grace, to hear the message that Jesus has died for us and all we've got to do is believe, but people who would then heard that and then thought, great, I can do whatever I want with my life. I don't, it doesn't matter. All I've got to do is say I believe and that's, that's the job's good. That's the abuse of the gospel. That's not the gospel. And so we need to hear the words of James to kind of correct us. Now, there is a danger here though. When we talk about faith and good works and deeds and doing stuff for God, there is such an e easy pitfall. Uh, and it's, we can either feel inadequate Oh, well, my, my deeds are rubbish. Or we can feel proud. We say, well, I'm actually doing quite well. I do a lot for God. And both aren't the point. James talks, gives two examples in this passage of people of faith who demonstrated their faith with their deeds. One was Abraham and one was Rahab. And I love the fact that these two examples were given because they're so completely different. Abraham was a rich man, a man of means, a man of influence. Rahab was a woman. And not only that, she's a prostitute. I think they're quite different. But they both demonstrated their faith through their deeds. Abraham left his father's land when and we're talk, he, he, he was promised an heir, he was promised a son. Eventually, 25 years after God, he'd received the promise, Isaac was born. And then yet God said, go and offer your son on the mountain. <laughs> His faith led to obedient action. And Rahab was the same. Her faith led to obedient action. But they're completely different. And as I look around this church, we're all completely different too. So your deeds might be completely different to mine. And what's important is that those, it's faith that's leading to those de deeds. We're a Baptist church. And Baptist churches, you may not be aware of this, but often are activist churches. We like to do stuff. We're good at doing stuff. Give us a job, we'll get it done. We're pretty good at that in Baptist churches. A lot of kind of community-focused churches, we're, we're good at that. Some churches, not so good. That's our strong point. We're good at it. Give us a job, we'll get it done. We're busy. 
and, and that is a great strength. But there's a danger. You see, Abraham and Rahab weren't just doers. They weren't just activists. Yeah, I think sometimes Abraham just sat around, waiting for God to speak again. <laughs> I won't talk about what Rahab got up to, because she was a prostitute. <laughs> it's not that they were busy, busy, super activists all the time. What, what, it, what it was was that their actions were in response to their faith. Their actions were in response to the call of God. They heard the word of God and then they acted. Rahab heard that God was moving in the area and that they were going to take Jericho. And so she hid the spies in her house from the king of Jericho who came looking for them. They acted on the word of God. Now there was something in common with them, Abraham and Rahab. It was risky for both of them. It was costly for both of them. Abraham told to take his son up the mountain to sacrifice. Rahab, hiding, she could have got in massive trouble with the authorities. The deeds that come from faith are often costly. The deeds that come from faith are often uncomfortable. See, I can say we're all different and your deeds will look different than mine. The danger with that, trying to balance things here, is that as you can say, well, yeah, that's, that's great because, you know, I express my faith by, um, you know, just, just doing what I'm really comfortable at. What I'm really good at and doesn't challenge me anymore. But Rahab and Abraham were called to do costly things and uncomfortable things. And maybe our deeds that come from faith will actually have a price tag and be challenging for us. James would not recognise a comfortable, complacent, convenient Christianity as real Christianity. We've got a brilliant local shop here. It's a convenience store. It's very convenient when we run out of milk. We live right near, near, so it's very convenient for us. But the church is not meant to be a convenience store. We're not convenient. It's a challenging place. Actually, when the gospel comes and when the Holy Spirit is moving in us, it might be uncomfortable. It might take us out of that comfort zone. The book of James does that too. Take us out of our comfort zone. I'm quite an activist. My family, we're all activists. My wife's family, they know how to relax and have a good time. <clears throat> our family, we think that's a sin. <coughs> and, uh, and so we're, we're always, you know, in, when we're sitting down to a meal, we're always planning the next one. We can't enjoy what we're eating. Um, <coughs> My mum, when she was alive, she never, never sat down. And, uh, and my dad, even now, 85, I mean, he's more relaxed now, but it's taken him 80 odd years to get there. We're, we're doers. The Fosters are doers. My sisters, you know, uh, can't sit still. 
we're doers. That's what we do. I've worked hard to try and relax. I know I seem super chilled, but I'm actually quite an activist. <clears throat> you may be an activist. You may not. This isn't about different personality types. This is about what is God calling you to do? What is God calling me to do? Where is your faith taking you? Sam prayed for the new term. Kids starting a new term. We're starting a new season. We've got Nicola starting in this church. I, I'm so excited. That is a new season in this church. But what is God calling you to do? Now please, don't hear James as a way to justify yourself before God by doing good works. It's not what he's saying. You're still saved by grace. You can't earn God's favour. But if you've got genuine faith, there'll be some evidence. There'll be some fruit. I can't always see the evidence in my own life. I know my failings. I can't see the fruit always. Ask someone whom you know and love and trust. They will, they will point out the good things. I can see it in all of you. I can see evidence of good works. I can see evidence of your faith. I really can. I thank God for it. I celebrate it. This world is looking for a genuine Christianity. The real deal. Not fake religion. I mean, life's too short, right? Boring. This world needs the genuine gospel and needs people like you and I living out our faith in the real world. That's what this world needs. We have an opportunity. Yes, this world is in dire straits. I'm not talking about brothers in arms. <coughs> this world is in a terrible state. We've got the answer. So your community needs you. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for this grace by which we stand. Lord, as we stand in your grace, we know, Lord, that you lead us into action. We know that you lead your people, our, our, us, not to be static, but to be spurred on. And I pray that you'll help us to be in step with Holy Spirit, who's looking for those who will say, yes, Lord, I will go. Give myself to you today. I will hear your voice and do your will. So I'm excited by what you're calling us to be and do right now. I'm excited that you delight in using ordinary people like us. We offer ourselves to you.
for the praise of Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So 